Welcome to London Riverside Church Podcast. We hope you've had a great day. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, our wonderful Christmassy decor. We are starting our Christmas series today called Christmas at the Movies. So we're going to be looking at some really well-known Christmas movies and trying to see what biblical principles we can find in them. So it's quite intriguing, I must say. So what we're going to do, we're just going to start off by watching a short clip from the movie called Jingle All The Way. If you're online, welcome. You're just going to be listening to the clip and in person we're going to watch it. So let's just have one minute. Let's watch the clip together. Okay, so as you can see, that guy was really, really desperate to get the Turbo Man. Now, I have a mini Turbo Man doll here, okay? Um, don't tell anyone, it's actually the Flash because I don't have a real Turbo Man doll. So not actually a real thing, believe it or not. But um, <laughs> this is Turbo Man. And this guy, Howard, in the movie, was so desperate to buy one of these Turbo Man toys. And the reason he was so desperate to buy it was because he wasn't doing such a great job at being a dad in this movie, okay? And he wasn't doing a great job, and he kind of wanted to make up to his son for all of the kind of bad things that he'd been doing and not doing a great job being a dad. So he decided he was going to buy his son this Turbo Man toy to make it up because his son was so, so excited and he really wanted this doll. But what this dad, Howard, did not realize is that the toy was the fastest selling toy and that everyone wanted one and he should not have waited till Christmas Eve to buy one. So there's a tip for you. If your kids or family member want something, don't wait till Christmas Eve to buy it, okay? If you don't get anything else, there you go. There's one tip. But Howard really wanted to do this because he loved his son so, so much. And I was thinking, well, is there anything that I've ever wanted that I have just wanted to do anything possible to get? And I don't know what it is that you think of. Maybe you really want a house, a car, a driving license, maybe just to book a test. That would be great in this climate. Maybe you want just something really small. Maybe there's something really big that you want. Maybe it's a bit more deep than just surface level. Maybe you want a better life for your kids. Maybe you want one of your family members to find Jesus. Whatever it is, what is it that you would just give anything for? Now, I just want to tell you a quick story because I bet when I asked you that question, none of you were thinking I would give anything for a McDonald's, okay? I bet you, I bet you did not think that. But I've noticed there's a bit of a theme when we kind of preach at church. We seem to bring up McDonald's a lot, but clearly we're there too much. But here's another McDonald's story because it's relatable. So when I went to McDonald's a couple of weeks ago, my mum and I went to go and get a hot chocolate through the drive-thru. I know it's not a chocolate milkshake this time, but there's still the chocolate theme going on. We went to go and get a hot chocolate. We were sitting in this drive-thru and this silver car from way behind us whizzes round a bunch of cars, cuts in front, you know, and it splits off to the two queues and you're hedging your bets, like which one do you want to go in? He was not hedging his bets. He just went around everybody, just cut in front. And then he was, he was really hangry. That was the issue. You know, that hungry kind of angry person. And he was flashing the lights because the guy in front of him was taking ages to order. He was beeping him. And I was thinking, you know, maybe let's give him the benefit of doubt. Maybe, you know, he's got a bit of low blood sugar going on, you know, and he needs some food. I don't know. But then he decided he was going to give up. He starts, like, reversing, almost goes into me, tries to go round in the queue. I don't know what his plan was because... I don't know what he was thinking. He was not really thinking, I think, was the issue. Anyway, he then sees that the car in front of him was actually moving forward and had finished his order. So rather than just reversing out, he quickly gets back in the queue, cuts back in again. And rather than ordering, he gets out of his car and shouts to the guy in front of him for taking so long. In all honesty, I thought this guy was going to be swearing or, you know, saying some language that I wouldn't say from stage. But instead of that, he gets out of his car and he was like, 
what are you ordering? The whole of McDonald's? <laughs> Which honestly just made my day and it cracked me up. But I was thinking, <laughs> you look like you're ready for a fight over McDonald's, seriously. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so Howard, this guy in the movie, was willing to do absolutely anything to get this Turbo Man doll. The guy in the car in the McDonald's queue was doing absolutely anything to get his Big Mac. <laughs> and I wonder what it is that you would be willing to do anything for. And this gets me thinking, really, we're not really willing to do just anything for just anyone. It's got to be someone that we really, really care about, right? And I was thinking about Jesus, and I was thinking, what was Jesus willing to do for us? We kind of get into this Christmas time when Jesus came down to earth, and he was willing to give up his life and so much more for us. John 3.16, such a well-known Bible passage. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For me in my life, I know I do so many things wrong. I have so many faults. And some of them are hidden, some of them probably people around me know. I can be a bit insecure, I cannot think very highly of myself, I can be a bit bitter, and like when something goes wrong, I can just ponder on it for ages. I can be really quick to speak, and sometimes, often, I regret what I've been saying, I realise I've been talking too much when that happens. But I realise that Jesus loves me in all of my faults and all of my mess, enough to come into the world and give up the place in heaven that he had to come into the world because he loves me me and he did that for you in all your faults as well because he loves you philippians chapter 2 verse 6 to 8 says though he was god he did not think of equality with god as something to cling to instead he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form he humbled himself in obedience to god and died a criminal's death on the cross this says that jesus did not see his equality with God as something to cling to. That tells us that he had equality with the Father and he gave it up to come to earth so that he could live amongst us. He went from having the whole world in his hands to actually being in the world's hands. There's so many verses in the Bible where we get to read in the Old Testament about what God's plan for sending Jesus was. And we get to read these couple of facts that Jesus was going to be born as a human from a human mum, that his mum was going to be a virgin, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, that he was going to be a descendant from the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and King David, that he was going to be called Emmanuel, God with us, because he literally was with us on earth, that he was going to spend a season in Egypt, where he went after the wise men had told King Herod that they were on a hunt to look for this newborn king, and King Herod got a bit jealous. And I realized that if this prophecy had happened, in, it happened in Hosea chapter 11, about 750 years before Jesus was born. If that prophecy happened, then God knew at least 750 years before Jesus was born that the wise men were not going to find Jesus in the first place they looked. That the wise men were going to go into the palace to try and find the king there, not be able to find him, and then have to go outside and look for them. God knew that the wise men were going to make this mistake, that the wise men were going to go and look for Jesus in the wrong place. God knew that way, way before Jesus was born. And he still chose the wise men to be the ones that had the privilege of going to see the newborn king. And I was thinking for me and for us, God knows that we're going to make mistakes. God knows that we're going to do these things wrong. And yet he still chooses us 
to have the privilege of getting to know Jesus. How awesome is that this Christmas time? That God can choose the wise men who actually weren't that wise if they went to the wrong place. He chose them to go and find this baby Jesus. What a privilege they had to be in this story. But they did go to the wrong place first. And you know what happened when they went to the wrong place? God didn't just give up on them and take the star out of the sky so they didn't have a chance of finding Jesus after that. When they came out of the palace, we read in Matthew chapter 2, that they saw the star right above the stable and then they were able to follow it and go and find this baby Jesus. Although they had gone to the wrong place, they had this second chance to go and find Jesus in the right place. And I think that God extends that same chance to us today. That even if we've gone to the wrong place and we've messed up and we've done these wrong things, that Jesus came into the world so that we had that second chance. So it doesn't matter if we've done these wrong things, but actually we can turn around and we can go and try again to find Jesus. The wise men, they gave Jesus these three gifts, didn't they? They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And each of these three gifts actually is a reflection of these different things that Jesus offers us. That Jesus offers us as he was willing to come and give them to us. First of all, the wise men gave Jesus this gift of gold, this wonderful pure metal as a reflection that Jesus was divine, he was God in human form. And I really believe that Jesus coming to earth was his sacrifice of love. I believe that when we see this gift of gold, that it shows us Jesus is offering us love. That the wise men gave him this gift because they knew that Jesus was going to die for us on the cross because he loved us. Then we see frankincense. And frankincense symbolizes Jesus' holiness. And I think for me, when I think about how holy Jesus is, I wonder why he came to earth. Why did this holy God decide to give up his place in heaven where there was no suffering or grief or loss to come to earth and experience all of those things? He did it because he was holy and he knew that we were not holy and he wanted to bridge the gap between us and God and I really believe that as we look at this gift of frankincense, it's a reminder that Jesus offers us acceptance. And then we see the third gift, this gift of myrrh. It's a spice that comes from the same tree as the frankincense. And it's a symbol that Jesus was going to suffer for us. It was a spice that was used to embalm dead bodies. And the wise men knew the prophecies. They knew that Jesus was going to die. And they gave him this spice. And I honestly believe that this is a sign that Jesus offers us forgiveness for all of these things that we've done wrong. In the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice animals to try and make up for these things they had done wrong. But Jesus realized that is not enough. These humans are pretty bad. <laughs> Even if it's a pure animal, it's not, it's not helping them. So we needed Jesus to come and bridge the gap and be the sacrifice for us. These are all the things that Jesus was willing to do and to offer us. And you read in the Christmas story, it's not just Jesus that was willing to do things for us. But actually in the Christmas story, there's a whole ton of people that were willing to do things for Jesus. So one thing that I read in the Christmas story is about Mary. And she was willing really to give up everything for Jesus. We read about her in Luke chapter 38. And it's all about how that angel came to her and told her what was going to happen. And she said, I'm the Lord's servant. <laughs> let Whatever you want to happen, Lord, let it happen. Jesus was willing to come to earth for us, and Mary was willing to give up everything for him. 
And the thing that really stands out to me really about Mary is that she was willing to give up her reputation. She knew in her heart that she was going to be judged quite severely for what she was going to go through, for having a baby outside of marriage that was really unusual then. And she knew that was going to happen, but she was still willing to be Jesus's mum and give up her reputation for Jesus. Can you imagine being Mary? I wonder if for you, you've ever done anything for Jesus and you think, oh, this is really going to taint my reputation. I wonder if in the future, Jesus might ask you to do something and you think, oh, that's not me. Can I really do that? What are people going to think? Let's be encouraged by Mary. She was willing to give up everything for Jesus. She was willing to give up her reputation for him. And then we see Joseph. Now, Joseph's interesting to me because although he gave up a lot, on the flip side of it, he actually continued doing something that he didn't really want to continue doing. And that, I think, is sometimes just as important as giving up stuff for Jesus, is doing stuff for Jesus that we don't really always want to do. And Joseph wanted to break off the marriage with Mary. He thought, no, okay, we're going to break that off. But an angel came to see him in a dream and say to him, keep going ahead with your marriage to Mary. And he did. He continued to do in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, what it was that he was doing already, even though he was a bit unsure about it and didn't really want to continue doing what he was doing. And then we see the shepherds. And the shepherds were willing to give up their usual routine just to go and see baby Jesus. You know the story of where the angels in Luke chapter 2 come and see the shepherds and they sing and they say, go and find Jesus in Bethlehem. And the shepherds presumably leave their sheep in the field and they're meant to be, you know, watching their flocks by night as we sing. And then they leave. They leave their normal routine, all the stuff they normally do, and they go and find Jesus. And honestly, for me, this is the most challenging one because if you know me, you know I quite like a bit of a routine and I like knowing what I'm doing, when I'm doing it, and sometimes when interruptions come, it's really annoying. I don't know if you can resonate with that, but it annoys me. And actually, for the shepherds, I wonder if it was bad timing. You know, what if the angels came and they literally just sat down and they just got the fire started and they were just ready to camp out by their sheep? And then suddenly the angels all appear and they're like, Jesus, Bethlehem, fire, it's warm, you know. And they gave up their normal routine to go and find Jesus. Is this something this Christmas that Jesus may be challenging us to do? And then finally we see the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. And the wise men travelled a long distance to go and find Jesus. We don't really know exactly how long they travelled. They were visitors from the east, but they travelled potentially for a couple of years. We don't know. They travelled for a long time just to go and find this promised king, this promised saviour. And I know looking around this room, there's many people in here that have actually travelled for Jesus, whether it's travelling from country to country to follow Jesus' calling, or whether it's just travelling maybe from Dagenham to somewhere else to go and visit somebody and encourage them. Sometimes Jesus calls us to go and not just to stay where we are but to travel on his behalf and go and do some stuff for him each of the people in this story was willing to do something for Jesus whether it's doing something that's out of their routine whether it's traveling whether it's giving up the reputation that they had or whether it's continuing to do something that maybe they didn't really want to do and when we decide to follow Jesus Jesus wants us to count the cost 
He wants us to count the cost. So Howard in the story with Turbo Man, he didn't really know what the cost was going to be when he started off on his venture. All he knew is he wanted this Turbo Man and he was willing to do absolutely anything for it. He was willing to run in the road, to steal kids' toy cars, to push people over. You know, it was like a whole competition between him and the postman trying to get this Turbo Man. And he did not care because he wanted what he wanted and he did not care what the cost was. And when we follow Jesus... Jesus wants us to count the cost of following him. He wants us to realize that actually when we follow him, our life is not really about us anymore. He wants us to lay down our lives for him and decide that that is worth it. Tola and I had an issue with some plumbing recently and we had all this water blockage thing and we had to get the plumber around. And honestly, this plumber had a minimum charge that was not minimum in our heads. So, sorry if you're a plumber, I wish I'd asked one of you, because honestly, we had this plumber around, he came and he did the thing, honestly, we couldn't have done it ourselves, because it was a massive blockage, but he was there for less than 10 minutes, and charged us a minimum charge that was not minimum, and uh, he left, and I did not want to transfer him the money, I really did not, I sat there with my card in the hand, and just thought, am I really paying this much money, because he just spent 10 minutes in my house, and I'm paying him this, And um, honestly, I hadn't counted the cost before he came. I didn't know what it was going to be. And I was thinking, is this worth this? I don't know. But when Jesus came to earth, he knew what the cost of saving us was. And when we decide to follow Jesus, he wants us to realize that the cost of following him is giving him our life. And he wants us to see that as worth it. He wants us to know the cost and know that it's not always going to be easy. We might have to give up some stuff. We don't have to. We might want to choose to give up some stuff. We might have to continue doing things that maybe we didn't want to do. He wants us to count the cost and then decide that the cost is worth it. So Jesus is willing to do all of this for us and more. The people in the Christmas story were willing to do all of these things for him. And my question to us today is what are we willing to do for Jesus? What have you done for Jesus before? What are you doing for Jesus now? And what do you feel in your heart that Jesus might be asking you to do in the future? What extent are we willing to go to for what we want? A couple of years ago, Tola and I got married, and if you don't know me, you need to know I love a Google Drive. I love the Google Drive documents, I love the Excel sheets, I love organizing my life on the Google Drive, I don't know. And uh, yeah, I just love the Google Drive, and um, I can't rave about it enough. And on the Google Drive, we had a wedding plan, we had our honeymoon plan, we had our house buying plan, we had all these different plans. And the wedding to-do list alone, I looked at it the other day, and I had 118 to-dos on the wedding to-do list, right? So if you ever want to borrow it for your wedding, feel free. Um, And honestly, there were so many to-dos on the to-do list. And it was worth it to me. All of these things that we had to do, we were so excited to get married. And part of us, you know, we could have just <laughs> could have gone to a registry and it would have been a bit easier and a bit cheaper. But we were so excited for everyone to celebrate with us and to have a wedding that we could remember and enjoy together with all of our friends and family here. It was worth doing the 118 things for the day. And I think about how much planning God put into Jesus coming to earth. It was more than 118 to-dos on his to-do list. It was more than 118 to-dos. And God did not need an Excel sheet to organize his life like I do. But God has a record 
in his word of what he did so that we can appreciate it. When I look back at my to-do list, I think, how did we do all these things? That was too much. But God didn't think it was too much. He counted the cost before he sent Jesus. Jesus knew the cost before he came. And he still chose to come to offer you love, to offer you acceptance, to offer you forgiveness. As I look around this room, I think of all the different people that I really respect. I know some of you and some of the things that you've done and given for Jesus. And Jesus just wants to tell you, he is so proud of you. And he's so thankful for the things that you have done for him. And he's so excited for the things that you will do for him. And my challenge for you today is to think about the stuff that you can do for Jesus this Christmas and maybe even into next year. Firstly, could you do something for a neighbour? Mark chapter 12 tells us to love your neighbour as yourself. Is there a neighbour that you maybe don't know very well that you could buy a gift for or even just give a Christmas card to this Christmas? Secondly, could you do something for someone who is less fortunate than yourself? Deuteronomy 15.11 says, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. Is there a gift that you can give to somebody that's less fortunate than you? Maybe someone that you know, or could you donate to the Christmas hampers that were given away this year? Let's choose to be willing to do stuff for Jesus. Could we do something for somebody who doesn't expect it? Job 6 verse 14 says, anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Who could you do something unexpected for this Christmas? Could you do something for our church? Galatians 6 10 says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You heard John and Kendra on Church Live talking about the car park team. How great are the car park team? Yes. (laughs) Honestly, when Kendra was saying they're outside in the snow and in the autumn, and I was thinking, I don't know if we're selling the car park team here, (laughs) but it gave us a whole new respect for the car park team and what they do for Jesus. And you know, when people serve on teams in our church, they're not doing it so much for the church. Because if we were doing it for the church, our motivation might last a little while, but it's not going to be a long-lasting motivation. But when we do it for Jesus, that's when we're in it for the long haul. Is there something that we can do for our church to serve Jesus in the new year? And if you want to serve, phone up the church, look on the website, see if you can get plugged into Growth Track, join a team. Let's serve Jesus at Christmas and after Christmas. Let's serve him the whole year round. Let's be a church that chooses to be willing to do whatever it is that Jesus is calling us to do. We don't always hear a direct word from Jesus. Sometimes we just feel a drop in our heart. You know, I've texted a few people recently or phoned a few people just to see if they'll join the kids team and help us. And you'll be surprised how many people tell me, oh yeah, I was actually thinking about that. And I was thinking, why did you never ask me about it then? Like if you've been having this thought in your heart that you wanna serve Jesus, don't wait do it now. Think about how you can serve Jesus, whether it's your neighbour, whether it's somebody that's less fortunate than you, whether it's our church, however you do it, if there's a whisper in your heart that you're hearing, maybe I should do this, then do it. Even if it's not from Jesus, it's nice, so do it anyway. Let's choose to be people that serve Jesus. And I want to pray today because I was having this vision um, a few weeks ago that we're all kind of like cars that are parked in a car park. 
And I think when we become Christians and we choose to follow Jesus and we invite Jesus into our heart, it's like we turn on the engine in our car. And there's this whole wide world outside of the car park. But if we never kind of turn on the engine and we never give our life to Jesus, then it's like we're just going to stay in this car park. But as soon as we become Christians and we turn on the engine, we then have this choice to move. We have this choice to go. But then you can't just keep on going faster and faster and faster without going up, up gear. And in life, it's not an automatic gear. Sometimes it's more like a manual car. And you've got to choose to go up a gear of faith. And when we start doing these little things for Jesus, Jesus rises up this faith inside of us and we can choose to do more and more and more for him. But it just starts with these little things. And once you start living for Jesus and you start going forward in your faith, don't reverse. But if you do reverse and you accidentally go back in the car park, go back forward again. You've got the choice. You don't have to stay in reverse. You don't have to keep going backwards. But let's choose to re-decide to go forwards with Jesus today. I'm just going to pray. I wonder if we could just stand up together. And I want to pray for us. And if you want to really choose today to follow Jesus, then I want to pray with you. If you want to turn on your engine and you want to decide, I want to follow Jesus today. I want to know this Jesus is offering me love and acceptance and forgiveness then I just want to put your hand up. It's almost like the boy when in the end of the movie that we didn't get to see here, Howard is holding the turbo man. He's ready to give it to his son. His son just has to reach up to take it. So if today you want to give your life to Jesus and you want to turn the engine on, then just raise your hand. Or if you want to rededicate your life to Jesus, then you can just raise your hand as well and I'll pray with you. And if you're someone in here today that just wants more courage to do more for Jesus, then why don't you just put your hand on your heart and we'll be praying for courage for you. Dear Jesus, we're here today to rededicate our lives to you. Jesus, we reach up to grab whatever it is that you want to give to us today. We want to reach up to grab your love. We want to reach up to grab your acceptance. We want to reach up to grab your forgiveness. That Jesus, you're so willing and ready to offer to us so freely. Jesus, for anyone in here today that maybe hasn't quite turned the engine on yet in their car, that hasn't quite left the car park, Jesus, I pray that from today, you're going to let their engine be on. That Jesus, their life is going to be all about you, all for you. They're all going to be in for you, Lord Jesus. And we pray for anybody today, God, that just needs a bit more courage to do a bit more for you, whether it's to step out in a bit more faith, whether it's to do something for their neighbour, whether it's just to speak up and join Growth Track or join a team in our church to serve you here. Lord Jesus, we pray for courage. We pray for your wonderful, wonderful courage to be upon us, to do all that it is that you want us to do. We don't want the world to miss out because we're not doing what you want us to do, Lord Jesus. So whatever these whispers are that you're speaking to us today, we pray that you are going to help us to follow your leading, follow your guidance, and to do everything it is that you've called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all from us here on our London Riverside Church podcast. If there's anything you would like some more clarification on, you would like to take those next steps in your journey, then why not head over to our next steps page, londonriversidechurch.com forward slash next steps. We hope you have a fantastic week and stay blessed.